Hey there. You got a bunch of leads, but too swamped to make heads or tails out of them? When it comes to sealing the deal, you just throw out a number and hope for the best? Well, it's time to change that too. Welcome to the Million Dollar Pipeline Challenge, tailor-made for the home services and remodeling pros just like you. We're cutting through the clutter, showing you how to chat with your customers and nail your pitches and boost those conversions. No more guesswork, just solid strategies to grow your business. Tune in to transform your approach and let's build that million dollar pipeline together. Text the word money to 844-949-1984. That's the word money to 844-949-1984 to begin your million dollar pipeline challenge today. Welcome to Blue Collar BS, a podcast that busts the popular myth that we can't find good people, highlighting how the different generations of today, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z are redefining work so that the industrial revolution that started in the U.S. stays in the U.S. Welcome back to the show, Brad. Glad to have you back. I am excited to be here today. And you want to know you, you want to know why, Mr. Doyle? Why, Brad? Because at the taping of this show, December 10th, we are one day short of our five-year introduction. It's almost That's like we've right. been, it's almost like we've been dating for five years. Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> you actually went there. Okay. <laughs> Oh, think about that whole big, long five year journey that we met out in San Diego. Right. And and to bring us to uh, recording this podcast and and bringing joy to those around the world listening to this show. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Five years culmination of this. And today, you know, we're going to talk about an article that Brad and I found, or mostly Brad found. Uh, on how the evolution has shaped how we relate to our families and what it actually means for family business. And since this is a generational show, obviously, when businesses are passed down from generation to generation, uh, there's a lot of dynamics that go on. Uh, That's a very um, bold statement, Cotton. Uh, A lot of family (laughs) dynamics is a very bold understatement for sure. Uh, I've seen families torn apart. Um, I've seen families go broke. I've seen siblings not talk to each other because things didn't happen the way they wanted them to and so on and so on and so on. It is, it is a very important piece. And what I found very interesting in this article as these family business dynamics are important to understand in no small part because their relevance in the global economy in the U S alone, family businesses account for 50% of the GDP. 50%. I know. Let that one sink in right there. Holy shit. Right. 50% of our GDP is tied into family craziness and dynamics. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you, you just think about your own family as you're listening to this, whether you're in a family business or not, just think about your own family and imagine bringing in everything going on in your life into a business not just with yourself, but with your family members. And you think of how in some businesses, it's easy. Some businesses, it's not so much. And the ups and downs just by the flip of a light switch or changing your toilet paper roll from forward to backward, how fast things can go out of control. 
it is so important to run a family business as a business versus a family in many cases, because often no one thinks about the end, right? That's the area that I really enjoy working with my family business clients on is getting to that end part so that there is successful transition and working on that separation of operational activity versus ownership activity. Mm -hmm. But because you're in it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's really hard to separate those things, particularly for the younger generations coming in because they think they, they own it and they do, they have, they have, they have the right to the throne as you go through it, but just because you own it doesn't mean you don't have to work. Right. Or they're entitled to it. Yeah. There's some of that too. Uh, There's a quite a bit of that. That's, that's your generation, Steve. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I forgot my bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you it's and I, you are in the same on opposite ends of the spectrum, <laughs> right? But what's also interesting is how little attention to the evolutionary factors that contribute to what family businesses actually go through. And you can say the evolutionary is cultural or personal differences, but evolutionary just you know passed down from generation to generation. And how things are done differently from, let's say, when our our parents created a business and how we run it now is different than when they did. And And they're not not happy about it in many cases either. Correct. Because it's not the way they have always done it or they were brought up to do it. Right. And I think there's a very good, easy example that many people can relate to. Um, Think about the dishwasher in your home. If you have a dishwasher in your house, of, yeah, of, of dishwashing machine. Wash rig. Oh, it's a dishwashing machine. machine. A machine, right? Uh, the loading of the dishwasher. There are are wrong in so many ways. Right. There's the evolutionary <laughs> battle of which way the silverware goes. Do the large plates go on the inside, the outside, left side, right side, top, bottom? Do the cups go here? What goes uh, there? A constant debate in our house. Everybody has their own idea. For me, that was always fun and it would frustrate the hell out of me until finally I said, you know what? It doesn't impact my life one way or the other. The dishes always come out clean, no matter how they go in. So why am I going to waste my time and energy to, to deal with this? Why am I wasting? And, and I wish I would have come to that realization when my kids were younger because <laughs> it would have stopped so many arguments. Right. <laughs> Right. I mean, just if, if your dishwashing machine in your house was the business, just think about all the things that go wrong just over that one, uh, one piece of equipment in your house. Now magnify that because the dishwasher doesn't do sales. Right. right. The dishwasher doesn't do accounting. The dishwasher doesn't do finances. The dishwasher doesn't buy new buildings or make leases or hire or fire people. It doesn't do any of those things. But yet creates all kinds of problems when we bring our own our own spin into things and people aren't aligned. Right. I know that was a weird analogy, but I'm going to go with it. I guess the other thing we should do, um, and we didn't do this early on, was mention that this article came from the Kellogg's Insight from the Kellogg School of Management, Northwestern University. And the information we're talking about is based on research from uh, Christian Nair and Edward Zijak. That's how I would pronounce those names, but um, and it was published on November 1st, 2021. We'll have a link in our show notes, but there's a lot of really good articles from the Kellogg Insight from Northwestern University. 
and the 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 thing about this that that really drew our attention to this is when we because we are a generational show what it really highlights is as you're passing a business down from one generation to the next and how it really relates so you know think of this as you know the first generation um, whether you can think, whether it's you're in your business now, or you're thinking of, you know, you've got your business and you're going to pass it on to your kids or your parents, your business is one where your parents pass it on to you. That first generation uh, and how firm and strong the resemblance of the business is between the founder and the children. Um, you know, you got the, uh, the expectations are very clear. They're very set from that first generation transition. But as you start going to the next to the second generation into the third of how I would say the original mission, the vision has become something different than the original founder did. It's really interesting because as we're talking about those generations, not only has the thought process changed from generation to generation, but the business itself has also had to change to survive each one of the generational transitions. Because every time you go through that, the political environment might be different. The economic environment might be different. Your entire community may have gone through a uh, turnover of, of people. Uh, you may have gone from a highly blue-collar manufacturing environment to now a multifunctional office and retail space, and nobody even knows you exist anymore, potentially. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you've got to be able to adapt to those things without hurting anyone's feelings, so to speak, and really understand what the legacy is that you're trying to achieve. And, and like we've talked about on this show, uh, literally in every episode, it's the communication that is ultimately the binder mm-hmm. to success. And if you can communicate those expectations, it works out really, really well. Because um, those that want to be in the follow those expectations are in and those that don't, they leave. Right. And, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Now, the one thing that we're, you know, we're, we're kind of touching on it, but we're not going to get it. We're not hitting on it. And I'm just going to bring it up now is, you know, as you start getting into those second and third generations of employees, now you're bringing in additional family members that are second, third relatives to you. Now, you could also be in an environment where if the company has grown to be as, you know, a larger company, you could actually have husbands, wives, their kids, their their kids as spouses in the business. You may be even at a cousin point. Eddie. We could have cousin Eddie. <laughs> you could yeah, you you could have all of that. Now where it gets real interesting is let's say there was a, you know, divorces and now you've got, you know, uh, exes and their new spouses working together in the business. Yes, I have seen this happen. And the the dynamics and the communication breakdown that happens in all the inner office, and I'm just going to say it like it is, the inner office bullshit that goes on because of all of this, you know, multi-generational influx of people and the lack of the ability to communicate with each other because everything has gotten so diluted and people have lost what the mission and vision actually is because it was a quote unquote family company. Right. That is a difficult thing to get through. I mean, you look at, you're in a metropolitan area. I'm in a relatively high metropolitan area as well, where 
you get those pockets of things. Now go to Navasota, Texas, where I got to spend six months of my life uh, doing some quality work at, at our company that I worked with. Pretty much, this is going to sound weird. They're all related through blood or divorce or marriage mm-hmm. at some point. Now those family businesses that are there, as you talked about, get really, really sticky and, and really dynamic and making sure that those things are um, clear and understood as to how to make that happen as you look to exit or move forward or sell or whatever those things are, that becomes really, really tricky. Absolutely. So the whole point of us bringing this together is because the fact is how we communicate with each other from one generation to the next. And we've seen this through you know, the prior guests that we've had. Communication is key. Whether it's communicating with your immediate family or it's communicating with your extended family in your business. How we communicate with each other and the interactions that we have in these small businesses, in these family businesses, we can't resolve any communication breakdown or conflict. It will drive us to the point where small businesses can go bankrupt. Right. Some of the other tendencies that are mentioned here is the gender bias that we have even with our own families. Mm-hmm. Right. It tends to go father to son to son to son. Why? Oh, because it's tradition. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I have a networking partner that is uh, facing that right now where her brothers want absolutely nothing to do with the business. She has done an amazing job for her father to run the business and make things happen. But yet dad doesn't recognize her as the heir of the business. And it is causing massive anxiety and stress and frustration frustration and emotional scarring and lots of other things because she doesn't feel like she's good enough for her father, even though, you know, she's running this tens of millions of dollars of this business without any issues or problems. And he's happier than all get out, but he's concerned about what his sons are doing, not what she's doing. Which is just, uh, Definitely devastating. Right. We think we see it in corporate world. Uh, It happens in the family business as well. And it's ridiculous. I would say it happens probably even more in the family business. Correct. (laughs) Just saying it like it is. (laughs) That's what we like about you, Steve. (laughs) You're willing to say that, say those difficult things, but yeah, we, I just found this article to be interesting to, especially at this point in time, as it came out in November, right around, right before Thanksgiving, right before the holidays, to talk about that as we are going through the uh, employment revolution of people just wanting to be out and be done. And that's the other part, um, right? You take the age gaps between, you know, the grandfather and his kids might be 20 years um, from his kid from the second generation to third it's probably 30 years and now you're sitting with grandfather 74 years old first second generation kids are sitting at 54 maybe 55 53 we don't want to work much longer we don't want to work till we're 70 but yet the kids are only 22 23 19 years old right and, and there's nobody there which now brings in the cousins and everybody else in the middle of it to say, okay, how does that happen? 
and where people get really mixed, messed up, messed up is the equity and running are two different things. The equity can go where the equity needs to go, but we usually don't talk about that. We don't ever want that to be part of the conversation. Right. We don't want to talk about who's running the company. At the end of the day, who owns the shares, where do the shares go? That's what's important. And, and have just because I have the shares doesn't mean that I actually am the president of the company for right. the best opportunity of success. Right. Now, one thing, also one thing in this article, and I just want to bring this up because I find it very, very interesting. Um, it talks about two central premises. One is that humans tend to behave more altruistically towards the relatives with whom they share the greatest genetic overlap. And second is that we behave more altruistically with our maternal relatives than those on the paternal side. Mm. And I kind of kind of like, really? Like I can understand being more unselfish towards, you know, with the, with the business, you know, people being, you know, more, uh, more unselfish towards relatives that they share genetic overlap with. Yeah. I, I get that. You'd be a little more lenient, but would you be more unselfish with maternal relatives than on the paternal side? I, that's I a hard know. one. That's a hard one for me to understand. Yeah, I don't get it. And and I would think at some point, if you're definitely looking to move your business from generation to generation, or hand it over, am I going to hand it over to a spouse, or am I going to hand it over to a child be interesting being a lollipop a one a two right a three the world will never know ah uh, well i mean i honestly i find that that central premise of being more altruistic with maternal relatives versus on the paternal side to be a little tough to swallow it'd be interesting to see it would be interesting to see the data on that from their research um Right. I'm, I'm confident that they have uh, done their research. Um, they've taken their sample sizes. They've looked at things, but that one's a hard one to kind of get over. Yeah. I just, uh, not sure I agree with that one without seeing, you know, the, the data, but, you know, just reading it at face value. Nah, not buying into that crap. You are a Michigan guy, and this is from Northwestern, so. Well, I didn't even think of that. I mean, if, it was from Ohio, if it was from that other state, I, I definitely, I wouldn't even have read it. <laughs> so we're just going to leave that there. Yep. Well, I'm just going to let that hang. But yeah, yeah, good. I mean, good article, great things to think about, especially when it comes down to, um, you know, bringing your family in it from and passing the business from generation to generation. Yeah, I guess for me, the biggest takeaway is. And this is the conversation I have with clients all the time is right. Understanding what the ownership structure looks like versus the operational structure, because they don't have to be the same. They don't need to be the same. And that is a change over generations, right? Yes. Grandparents were, nope, we own it. We run it. Parents were, we own it. We're going to kind of run it because we want to have some more freedom. Now you get into the next generation. Okay. We own it. Yeah, we don't really want anything to do with it. We need to really find others to 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 run it for us because we just want to take the cash out and have fun with it. That's the hard part. That's the hard dynamic of how to make that work and and not put the business in jeopardy of losing all of its capital, losing all its cash because 
the sweat equity is part of the business. It's part of the brand in many cases. Right. Well, Brad, thank you for uh, bringing up this article. It's uh, it was a great conversation. I am glad we were able to get through it today. I think everybody's going to think about their dishwasher scenario a little bit <laughs> differently now uh, when they start going to their business and using that analogy. We might start a trend. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what. So, so, so let's let's just uh, on the on the way out. You got a top rack for your for your silverware and your dishwasher. Uh, top rack, no. Oh, okay. I'm only. If you did have a top rack. If you did have a top rack, silverware face up or silverware face down. I really don't care. Oh, you would care. <laughs> no, I don't. Because again, I, I, I've given up that battle because at the end of the day, the dishwasher is built to do what it's intended to do. <laughs> clean the effing dishes. <laughs> All right, my friend, you have a great, uh, you have a great weekend. All right, man. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to Blue Collar BS brought to you by Vision Forward Business Solutions and Professional Business Coaching Inc. If you'd like to learn more on today's topic, just reach out to Steve Doyle or myself, Brad Herta. Please like, share, rate, and review this show as feedback is the only way we can get better. Let's keep blue-collar businesses strong for generations to come.